All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. So you want to produce your live stream show like a professional? Well, we've got an awesome guest today. Our featured guest is Phil Kluba from Press It. He's a professional producer of live streams and live streaming content, and he's here to talk about how you can better produce your live streaming and StreamYard shows, but also Perhaps you want to be a producer yourself or get paid to do some remote producing of live streams for clients. Well, he's got all the details on how you can go about readying yourself for that kind of work, what you need to learn, what it takes to be great at live stream production. And also we have a second guest segment, which is actually going to be our first guest segment because there's breaking news in the StreamYard world. StreamYard's got a new team member. You'll meet him in just a minute. Let's do a show. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show where we talk about all things going on with StreamYard and live streaming. And we're going to get right to our first guest, Coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk about professional live stream producing or how you can apply some of those professional producing tactics to live streaming. But first, there's a new member of the uh, StreamYard team. Team StreamYard is growing just as the product and the uh, user base is growing. And there's a new head of growth. It's Daniel Glickman, and he just announced yesterday that he was new to the team, and so we got him right on. Daniel, welcome. Welcome to StreamYard. It's it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Ross. Hi, hi everybody. Uh, yeah, glad to be here. I'm really pumped and excited, and yeah, that's kind of uh, cool for me to be on the show because I've been watching it for a while and, thought, and thinking, oh, how cool would it be if I was one day on the show? So I'm here. Yeah. So congratulations on on the new role. Um, yep. You've not. This isn't your first uh, gig with a video product. It's not your Great. first time in a marketing role. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your background and how yes. you got got into video and got into marketing? Yeah. So I got into marketing years ago, uh, many years ago, in my previous life, when I actually owned a small business. I owned a construction company together with my wife, and I was responsible for marketing and sales and customer experience. And having a more of a technology background, I figured, yeah, with a digital, nobody in my space is digital. So I got into, right, right. Uh, I got into the Google Local and SEO and e-newsletters at the time. That was a, you know, that was something completely new. So um, that's how I got into the space. And ever since, I've been doing things, you know, mostly in tech around uh, video creation, uh, different media kind of uh, applications, uh, mostly for uh, small businesses, and that's my niche. So. Yeah, really pumped that my last position was at Wave.video. So shout out to my Wave.video friends here. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people here heard about it. It's a video uh, creation and sort of an online editor. So if you want to make intros and outros, that's uh, that's where I was before. Still, I use it uh, almost every day, even today. Yeah. So tell us yeah. a little bit about what what it was about StreamYard that made you decide to come and join us here. Yeah, so um, StreamYard of, uh, was a very good fit, obviously, from the beginning. I also knew Gage uh, for a while, and it just seemed like a perfect match for many, way, reason, for many reasons, just culturally and kind of the, the knowledge, the shared knowledge and experience, and where StreamYard was at this point and where I was. StreamYard is, is huge, though. It's, it's by far the biggest in the industry. Uh, as part of the process of investigating and learning the industry a bit more, I was... Uh, I was really happy to see StreamYard is about an order of magnitude bigger than anybody else in the field. So it's um, it's it's really by far the most popular, and the, and I would say the easiest to get on, uh, and the best in uh, as a solution for you know just streamers like us, right, not right. Uh, pro studio guys. They're, they need other stuff, right? Yeah, although you do see uh, some professional broadcasters using StreamYard for uh, their their live streaming program, even some uh, news organizations Great. will do pre-show, post-show using StreamYard, even deliver their their interviews using StreamYard's technology because it's so stable and, and the video and audio quality will maintain itself. 
regardless of whether you've yeah. got a pro setup or you're, you're coming in off of a webcam and a built-in microphone. Um, now, which is, which now is one as, thing, by the way, ahead. I just want to comment on that yeah. because it's one thing I noticed right away that I was doing competitive analysis. One of the competitors actually charges you money for stability. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, you have to pay money if you want a stable stream. With us, it's just granted. And I, th I thought, you know, we should actually write it down somewhere there on the pricing page or something. So yeah. anybody's comparing, like, you know, it's stable. Well, it's definitely one of the pillars of StreamYard is that yeah. it just works. And, you know, it's always been an issue with other apps. People come on. And the more people you get on screen, the more your video degrades. But... Uh, when they went to 10 people on screen, we tested it the first the first time it was available. Um, and I tell you, there was no no loss of quality from the audio yeah. and the video with even 10 people on screen. So they, they do an amazing job. Um, you also are a podcaster and a blogger. You've been uh, doing CMO confessions. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, where we can find your content, learn more about you. Yeah, so let me, let me just do a little trick here and show you. I, I do a little bit of, uh, I dab into some, uh, you know, hobby uh, videography and, um, and media creation. I have a podcast. I have, um, I, I do a live show together with Chad E.F. Peterson uh, called uh, uh, Subpellucid, where we interview people. And it's kind of a very unique, very strange show. So you can check that out if you look at Subpellucid online. Uh, for the hashtag, there is um, my my blog, a podcast, etc. All my social profiles you can find at cmoconfessions.com. That's cmoconfessions.com, and you can find me there. And I like you know I like to interview people in the industry. I'm going to do in my own show here on Streamyard as well. Um, I'm I'm going to be about the business of influence. So those of us who do streaming as part of building an influence, either for a business or as creators or whatever. What are the business practices around that? So that's that's one of the shows I'm going to be doing. Uh, so you'll be seeing me around here in the community as well. Well, great. We definitely want to have you on for uh, the prime guest segment coming up in a future episode and get into a lot of different things. For now, I do want to ask you, um, you've been a CMO, you've been a VP of marketing. I think most people know what that role is. Can you explain what head of growth is to people who might not be familiar with that that title? Yeah, okay. It's it's essentially just the title. Every company has its own culture of titles. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's um, basically I'm responsible for growing the user base, growing the, you know, anything has to do with marketing and sales, essentially. Right, right. And making sure that customers uh, retain uh you know, the content around the website, so all the educational content that's going to be showing up and the SEO content, all of the um, things that help you streamers succeed in using or in your business while using our product. That is uh, that is the main focus of us um, here. We re that's our drive, or the business main business driver, is if we help you succeed, you will help us succeed by uh, essentially using the product in advantage evangelizing us so that is the core of my position essentially growing the, the company right. through it yeah and talk a little bit about influence and what you mean when you say influencer it's a term that's bandied about a lot but yeah. uh you know everybody from somebody with a podcast of one to you know a hundred million followers seems to be an influencer today yeah. what do, what do you define as an influencer and how do you see the role of influencers within what you're working on for StreamYard. Right. So there are many kinds of influencers. And the vast majority of influencers are what we call nano or micro influencers. So people like myself, I have a, um, a small amount of uh, influence. I'm not big and famous, right? But uh, when I have a show or when I um, put up a YouTube video or what have you, I can get people to take action directly or indirectly, right? I can provide information and there's a certain level of influence there. Myself, I use it mostly to... Um, to basically promote my the company I work for. Uh, one of the reasons I chose um, uh, I chose StreamYard is because I really like the product and I like the company, yeah. right? So I can influence people around that because I'm passionate about it. And I like streaming. I like doing all these stuff. So we are, we are influencers. Uh, the difference between a creator and an influencer, a creator essentially is somebody who owns a DSLR, right? <laughs> you create content. <laughs> uh, an influencer is somebody who really wants to take that and make a business out of it. 
right? So you might have brand ambassadors where they essentially promote product, and you might have influencers where they maybe they use uh, maybe they provide information, and through it they can uh, they can monetize in some way or form or another, right? My monetization comes in from my salary, not through providing any kind of affiliate links, etc. I know Ross, you have your own um, uh, business, and you monetize through various different ways. So you, I'll say, you're an influencer as well. Well, since you put it out there, we'll uh, make the new head of growth happy. There it is. Uh, if you're not yet on StreamYard, you can get on by going to LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard. You can try out all the basic plan features, which is, you know, multi-streaming and you know, video overlays, graphic overlays, backgrounds, and see how the tool works and uh, I'm sure you're going to love it. Livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. Um, okay, so now uh, you're getting started at, at, at StreamYard. You've done kind of a, a competitive analysis. As you look forward, where do you see live streaming in general going? Is it something that's going to become now mainstream entertainment? Is it going to become an essential part of every business's marketing or is it going to become uh more of an adjunct like you know you go live to promote the pre-recorded show or you go live to promote the youtube video or the concert or the event where do you see live streaming going in in, in the future i think all the above are correct but the the the, the of course what the, the big shift we're seeing is that everybody's going live live you know maybe a year ago was a novelty and so if you went live what you you immediately got uh, attention and people are watching. It. Right. Nowadays, there's more competition, and so we have to think more strategically around the live, not just go live for the sake of it. And, and these ubiquitous lives, where there is a, a guest and a host, is is not, just not enough in and of itself. So we have to think strategically around the structure of the live. What is the the purpose of it? How many people do we get? Not just during the live itself, but also during um, afterwards. And the main question we have to ask ourselves constantly is why here, why now? Right? Mm -hmm. And there are plenty, plenty of use cases where why here, why now, or work for businesses, so many, or for an influencer, you know, business, anybody who makes money directly or indirectly off of this, right? And then there are hobbyists. There's so many hobbyists that want to go live regardless of, you know, I myself go live uh, with my podcast. Sometimes I won't have anybody on the live. I don't care. I repurpose it as a podcast, and that's fine. Right, and then people watch it afterwards. So there's so many use cases, and I think we're going to see a proliferation of use cases. I think we're going to see more and more businesses use live video, uh, especially now uh, post-COVID. A lot of these uh, uh, habits are going to stay. Yoga teachers can now make a living uh, uh, doing yoga classes live online. Guess what? Right. Not everybody is going to go back to the studio after the fact. Some people will realize, hey, I can take a half-hour break from work. Uh, join the live, get back to work. I don't have all of the mess around that. I'll just do it and do my yoga this way, right? Is that a valid way to make money and make a business? Absolutely, right? Does it make the world more efficient? Absolutely, right? right. Is it uh, do you, Is it a different experience? Yes. Do we right. need to adjust it? Yes. So more and more we're seeing these people adjusting to this new reality and figuring out interesting ways to use uh, live video in their business. And I think it's a very exciting time for those of us who are in this field. Yeah. I mean, going along with that, I, I want to throw out a, a quote from our next guest. Every, every year at the end of the year, I do predictions for live streaming and digital media for the following year. And you'll be getting an invite pretty soon if you haven't already. Uh, no, they're, they're going out pretty soon. Um, and, and so let's uh, take a look at what Phil said, because I think this is kind of the essence of where a lot of live stream is going. And he says selling products live will become much more user friendly. This will incentivize big business to move into the medium. And you're seeing more and more platforms starting to add the ability to purchase right from a live or they're planning on it or it's in development or it's in beta. Um, is that something you see like in the future, maybe being able to do through StreamYard, having a, a product shelf whereby somebody could just go ahead and like order is, is that even possible to do through a third party tool? Is there a way to do that kind of integration? And do you think that that's like kind of essential to live streaming going forward? Or do you think that, um, 
the old Snyder call to action, click the link and, and go find it is still going to work as uh, internet use gets faster and yeah. faster and faster. I think that's certainly a use case. We don't have any immediate plans to create that kind of feature right now. The, um, I think in a lot, I think that will be a minority of live feeds, but absolutely something that will be happening more. I think it's already happening on Instagram. It's already happening on Netflix. If you if you've seen the new, uh, who's it, Cardi B, who did something, some kind of show like this, where she sells uh, underwear, um, or lingerie, I should say. And so it's uh, um, there's these um, you know overpriced underwear. So there there are all these kind of things that definitely happen. But I think these are more you know unique events. Right. And a lot of lives we can do that are unique events where we don't have to have fancy infrastructure, right? So right. we can do, and I would encourage anybody who's watching to think of what kind of interesting things can you do that are sort of unique and disruptive. Like, right. can, what is the longest live you can do uh, possible? Like, could you do a 48-hour live? Could you do a live with, you know, um, 50, 100 people on it, not simultaneously, but just shifting through? So no matter when somebody hops on and off, there's something really interesting happening, Maybe you can do like a charity event that way or a sales event where you like bring in people, you know, bring in really interesting products and, and, it's you know, coming. Affiliate it's coming. In there, right? <laughs> so, you know, really think about a little bit outside the box and how could you use lives as a medium, not as a goal. Hmm. That's a great point. And I'd love to hear from people uh, what your ideas are that could be a, a disruptive uh form of live streaming something we can uh, perhaps come back into the comments and take a look and and have some yeah. ideas daniel i'm so thrilled you're you're joining us it's great to have you on the show i wish you all the best in the new role and i, I look forward to chatting with you uh, off camera and hearing about what you have planned for Streamyard. absolutely uh thanks for having me on the show and thanks everybody and yeah uh i hope to get to know you personally get to know what kind of streams you're doing and get to and get to help you out with them. That's my job. Thank you so much, Daniel. Yeah. That's Daniel Glickman, the new the new head of growth for Streamyard. This is Streamyard Connect. We're here every Wednesday, two p.m. Eastern. I'm Ross Brand. Let's move on to our next segment. You know, we usually do the news, the industry news. We usually do Streamyard updates. With Daniel's segment, we had actually the source here with us, and we're able to hit both those items in one uh, little stretch there, and it was so great to hear from him. Looking forward to uh, following what Daniel's going to be doing, uh, experienced marketer and video creator and producer and person who just knows the industry, and I can't wait to see what's coming up next. Now to our next guest, if you ever want to be better at producing, or maybe you want to actually get paid to produce video, our next guest is a professional live stream producer. He's with Presset, his uh, company uh, in Canada, and he works with a lot of different brands and productions. Phil Kluba, am I pronouncing that correctly, which I should have asked you in the pre-show. Yes, you are. You actually are I, pronouncing I, it correctly. So thank you very should much. Should I have for asked that you in the pre-show, or should I have just gone with it? Because well, I heard you say it live, and I was like, he got it. Typically, it's like Clubba, Kluba. You got it right. So I, I really appreciate that. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's so great to to talk to you. Um, we connected through a mutual connection with Live You, which I know you use and I've used uh, for doing. Uh, field work where it, you know, it just allows you to uh, go live where there's not a lot of bandwidth. Um, and, and so I don't know how familiar you are with StreamYard, if you've used it before, but what's your Im impression so far? What do you see as far as producing? Like if you were on, uh, if you were putting a show together here on StreamYard, I know you're just getting familiar, right? You haven't gotten the whole tour and I, I'm happy to do that if you're new to it. Uh, but I'm just, just a, just a kind of a sense from you, like what, what would make a good, a good production, uh, good production work for a platform like StreamYard. So, 
so far what I'm seeing, like I'm really loving it. And also the way you're executing the show is very good. Like all the cues are on time. There's uh, there's there's fun graphics and all that other stuff. Um, I like how you can have up to 10 people. Um, that's that's huge, especially with like a lot of my clients, like especially during the lockdown. There were a lot of situations where clients want to bring on a lot of people into the live stream couldn't figure out a solution, but now that I'm seeing this, I'm kind of like, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious for people watching, is your interest more to improve as a producer for your own show that you're hosting, or are there people watching who are interested in actually making a business out of producing or at least helping other people produce their shows while you're not on camera so my first question to you is a lot of us start out live streaming and then we learn about a tool and then we learn how to produce with that tool and we learn a little technique what is important distinction for you because i know you're somebody who's very skilled at going live and you're very skilled at producing what do you distinguish what's the distinction for you and how you might go about producing a show when you're hosting and when you are the producer for some other talent, but you're not on camera yourself? That's a good question. So it, it, it really does depend on the situation and what the client really is looking for. So like, I try to be as versatile as possible. I try to be, I guess, like tech agnostic mm -hmm. in, for, in a sense. So it's like if, if some clients... Uh, like corporate clients, for example, they have limitations on what platforms their um, employees are allowed to use. So, for example, a lot a lot of them can only use WebEx, and and, and they're not allowed to use Zoom. So, when it when it comes to like producing shows for others, I need to find a solution that works for everyone in those scenarios. Um, but when it comes to producing a show for myself, I would prefer a platform like Streamyard. I would right. I would like to make it as user friendly and uh, as easy as possible for me to just go out to my uh, go out to the public and make and make some content yeah that's what i i love about Streamyard. um it, it, when you use tools like wirecast or obs and other professional tools you have unlimited options but everything you you're pretty much doing for yourself where here it, you have some some restrictions or some guidelines that you, you almost can't go wrong if you follow them. And then you yeah. can let your own creativity work if you want to take it uh, further. And with overlays and backgrounds, you have a lot of opportunity to brand the broadcast the way you want to. Uh, talk about how you got into video and, and production and kind of your a little bit about your, your career path to uh, having your own business and and doing production for for brands and businesses. Oh wow! Okay, so this so yeah okay, so let's go back <laughs> like seven years, um, and then so it started off like I was originally a songwriter. I was working in the music industry. Um, I was working in studios, and then for some reason I was working at some studio, and they were like, "Hey, we want to do like a live session video thing," and then. I started learning about cameras. So I was like, okay, cool. I started doing these like live session video things. And then I wrote a song and I made a music video for myself like seven years ago. And then it kind of just like, everyone was like, hey, I want a music video. That's a sick music video. Make a music video for me. And I've always had like this whole like live production thing like in the back of my head. And I was like, oh, I would love to have a broadcast company. And this was like 2013 or like right. uh, 2010 or whatever. And then like Facebook Live came out. Um, and I had a lot of friends in, in like the tech industry, um, working with like Shopify, uh, a lot of e-commerce stuff. And then one of my friends reached out to me. He's like, I want to do a multicam live stream to Facebook live at Shopify for, uh, a Shopify Toronto meetup event. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll start figuring this out. And then the next thing you know, like I figured it out. Um, mm -hmm. I did this live broadcast and then like things just started rolling from there. Um, uh, I then like brought, I combined like music and tech, like I brought a live band into Facebook Canada. We did this live stream um, and then Facebook Canada was like, oh, this is a great live stream. Here's a live view unit. And then they like provided me with this uh, live view unit. And then I wrote an email to live view and they're like, oh, you got a lot of reach on this live stream. And then that relationship started and it just like 
just uh, rolled (laughs) and uh, I was going with it. And at the time, like I was maybe like one of the only people doing it in like my geographical territory. Um, And then once the pandemic hit, based off all that stuff that like I built up during during the times of like people weren't that invested in live streaming yet. But Mm -hmm. once it like hit and no one had any way to connect, um, they were like, we need to connect with our audience. How do we do it? So then I started doing live remote broadcasts from home. Um, so that's kind of how it all came together. It's just cool. like opportunity after opportunity, just saying yes and uh, figuring it out as I go. We're talking with Phil Kluba. His company is Press It, and you can also learn about his own live streaming at liveisbetter.ca. Now, when you talk about making music videos, and you said that got you interested in, in, in live production, and yet music videos are pre-recorded. Were you trying to create a live feel in recording them, or were you trying to save time in post-production by creating a live uh, type of production? What made you kind of tie music videos together with live? So the... So, like, as the music industry progressed and it changed, like, obviously, royalties weren't that much of an income due to, like, right. Napster and all these other things. The only thing that really was making money for musicians, what, or, or like, heavily, um, was based on their live concerts, oh, okay. uh, their, 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 live, their live production. So I always had, like, a live side to everything. Um, at every music video that I always do, there's usually a live component to it. Um, there's like a live performance to the artist. So like I, I really want to capture that energy, whether it is pre-recorded or live. But at, at the time, I was just trying to capture live performances, mm-hmm. um, and then that—that's kind of how it progressed into all of this. Wow, I gotta say, uh, sometimes I just get an idea, and I'm gonna interrupt where we're going. Your mic sounds good. so good. Um, I've not heard somebody on a live stream show like this using a lav mic that sounded that good. What mic okay. are you using and how are you connecting it so that it sounds almost like a studio mic? So it's a it's a Sennheiser AVX. I was ah, actually Sennheiser in, makes good ones. <laughs> and it's and it's and it's just connected to uh, the camera. Actually, the way I was introduced to this microphone was actually thanks to Live U. Um, they introduced me to the ocean cleanup and we did like a live stream with boy and slat and one of their guys brought it out and then i'm literally like filming this live stream and this guy's talking and a helicopter lands right behind him and i still hear him clearly and at that moment i was like i have to buy this microphone (laughs) i was like this sennheiser avx microphone i need to have because literally a helicopter landed like because we were on a heli on a helicopter like pad somewhere and this guy's speaking and a helicopter lands behind him um and i could still hear him clearly so i was like wow i need to have this now is it is it wireless or is it a wire oh it is wire it's it's wireless like it's a it's a wireless lab microphone um yeah i think it's like a like a thousand bucks or something like that i'm not 100 percent certain and then what camera are you running it into so I'm running it into a Sony uh, 6500 right now. Um, and then I have like, uh, I guess a 50 millimeter on it, but I guess it's cropped a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you, you can see in my picture, like the, the background's a little bit blurred um, because of, uh, yeah, because of uh, it's, it's got that range or whatever. Are you using an XLR or a 3.5 millimeter? Uh, so yeah, there's i I'm using just, uh, it's, it goes from an XLR to a converter of like one of those like one eighth inch things going right. into the camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds super. Anyway, uh, back to production, what we came to, <laughs> to talk about. Um, okay, so when, when you get into producing, you're producing live streams, are there certain techniques that people should be familiar with in order to produce a talk show, a... Uh, you know, the type of show that we're doing here, what are the types of techniques that you should be aware of or things that you should be aware of in order to make your your video better or avoid certain pitfalls that a lot of solo producers, you know, people who are hosting and producing at the same time might fall into? 
So are we talking about like qual like production quality or like run of show type? Because like personally, I think just understand your run of show. Um, mm-hmm. Understand what you're trying to achieve with your episode or whatever it is, a series. Because um, sometimes if, if, if the creative asks for something lo-fi, then maybe you go for something more lo-fi. Right. Um, it's about like shifting audience perceptions and all this other stuff and creating something entertaining at the end of the day. Um, so planning a technical glitch could even be to your benefit because then people are commenting being like, hey, your microphone isn't working. And then the algorithm starts picking that up and then you start getting more views. Um, so it, it all comes down to, yeah, I so guess, Yeah, so see that creative. time in June, that time in June, my volume wasn't on, my mic wasn't turned on. That was really intentional. That, that was strategic, StreamYard. Yeah, yeah. So, no. like, you, you strategic, strategically <laughs> plan that technical hiccup so people can start commenting. And then next thing you know, it's like it's picking up in the, in the, in the algorithms and people are, like, arguing with amongst each other in your <laughs> it's, so yeah it, i guess step one is now figure i'm always out your, gonna wonder <laughs> now you're always gonna wonder so sometimes Go or you could like just oddly frame yourself and everyone's like hey move your camera move your camera and then next thing you know like people are engaging right. in your in your comment section so it's like these little t- uh, these little tricks right. but um but i guess step one is understanding your run of show like mm-hmm. minute by minute like knowing that like this 30 seconds, like, like how, how you just did a well, well-produced like intro sec, like you did your little talk at the front. Then there was the intro. Then Daniel came on. Like that was, that's, I don't know if you planned that. <laughs> you must've planned that, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I um, know what I'm going to do. I don't script the segments or anything, but I know, okay, I'm going to tease what's coming up. Yeah. I'm going to play the intro. I'm going to come back. I'm going to try and say something significant about what the topic is, a few lines. And then normally I would get into talking about StreamYard and the news. But in this case, we had a, a guest. So I went, you know, a, a news guest. So we went right to him. And then, you know, after that, uh, you were going to be the next segment. I knew approximately the times that he was going to come on and he was going to go off and you were going to come on. And then what I'm going to do at the end after you go off, we do a remix and we... Uh, you know, maybe answer a couple questions and talk about what's what the other shows are you can watch from StreamYard during the week. So yeah, I yes. do have a very like it's up here, but it's it, it, it's like muscle memory at this point. <laughs> yeah, and like you do these like every like you do these very often. So it's like like at that point, like the skill, like obviously your skill set and your creative, like you're able to just like kind of wing it and still make it really great. But I, I would suggest for like first time uh, live streamers just to plan your show. Like mm-hmm. um, you want to make it entertaining. I see a lot of people just going live either on Instagram live or whatever. And they're just like sitting around for the first five minutes. And like, obviously like audience retention like happens in the first three seconds. If you're not if someone tunes in and they're not engaged in that first three seconds, they're probably going to drop off. Right. So you got to, you got to keep doing things entertaining. Like maybe I should put on some sunglasses, put on a mask or something. It's like, if someone comes on, it's like, what is going on on this live stream? You know, uh, you got to have some like shock value, I guess. I don't know. The, uh, the internet's a wild place. So, and you're competing with a lot. Uh, I like, I, I like what Daniel had to say, or like Daniel's his name, correct? Yes. I apologize if I got that wrong. Like I agreed with like everything that he said. Um, there is it. It is a saturated market now. So like I guess the content, like the tech is getting there, and it's like thanks to Streamyard, like almost anyone can produce a live show. It just comes down to your creative and what's engaging about it. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I'm sure you you found as well. Is that I I got started in 2015 on on the video side, and it took a lot of work in order to pull off a show of some quality where you're doing an interview because most of your web-based tools were, were just not stable. And so it meant using a more professional tool and then there's a learning curve and there's time to get set up and there's time to create shots and bring your get like there's everything requires a, a lot of heavy lifting and a learning curve. Now yeah. it's now it's like the baseline for any user is within reach and and so ultimately it's it's not who knows how to plug the wires in but who can create content 
that's going to keep people interested and that's going to keep their audience coming back and exactly you know if it like i i i I made a comment yesterday somebody that like if it's not compelling uh with with you know beginner gear it won't be compelling in a in an expensive studio like exactly yeah (laughs) yeah exactly like if if you can't get the audience reach off your iphone then you're probably like getting all the millions of dollars of like equipment won't make it any better um, and, and that's that's the whole story of social media in, in, in a nutshell. It's like there's so many entertaining people just using their phone as as like their main uh, main source of output, I guess. And, and it's working. Right. And, and it's just because that person's entertaining, that person's unique, that person is offering a value add that in the saturated market, uh, it, it, it stands out. Um, and as for StreamYard, uh, I really love Gary V's show, and Gary V yeah. uses StreamYard, from my understanding, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because he's always had his thing. Um, uh, obviously, uh, the business market um, and motivational, um, and I, I just, I just love what he does with with this. Like, as soon as the the lockdown started, he was like 9 a.m. He took that slot, and I was right, like, oh right. crap! I was like, he took the 9 a.m. slot. <laughs> he he took morning television, and I was like, wow! I was like, that's a genius. And then, uh, so then I started a show at 5 p.m. with. Uh, Actually, it was a client, uh, it was a mental health talk show with uh, Michael Landsberg. And I was like, is this the future of media? Like, I was just like, but right. I was like, oh, Gary Vee took the 9 a.m. slot. Great. He just like <laughs> sniped that. Um, <laughs> I, I got the 7 p.m. slot reserved after the news yeah, yeah. and before let's, prime time. Let's, let's, so yeah, he, let's, knew, uh, he knew not to go there. <laughs> he knew not to go there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the cool, the other cool thing that StreamYard's done that, you know, we don't talk about a lot, but when, what used to be is when you went live from your studio, your home office, what have you, you would go live and your, your broadcast would look one way, and then you would go live from a mobile app that was completely different. You know, you would have a completely different layout. It would look different. And, and now with StreamYard, other than the screen share, you have basically all the features available to you on mobile. So if I went live from my phone from a mobile browser, like on an iPhone, Safari, on an Android, the native browser on the Android phone, I can make this broadcast look just like this from a mobile, other than wow. the screen share. So that's that's something that's kind of new, is is that consistency from from desktop and laptop to to mobile um how much how important is branding uh a show or a series of live streams uh in a consistent manner uh versus you know mixing it up and each show has a totally different look because on one hand you're trying to get people familiar with the brand and bring them back each week and then on the other hand you're trying you're trying to stop the scroll on social media where do you walk that line between you know mm. consistent branding and grabbing people with like oh what is he doing today <laughs> yeah that's that's a very good question um i i do think that there needs to be some sort of consistent branding in a sense but i also don't think it should be over the top and in people's faces like i feel like Branding, advertising, and all of that is so oversaturated now. Like thanks to like Facebook, Facebook ads, all these Google ads, all the like anyone is allowed to advertise now. Right. Um, and the and the thing is also oversaturated. So also understanding on how to stand out in 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 those situations um, is also very crucial. So I guess like my advice like my 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 <laughs> my strategy is usually do the complete opposite of what my competitors are doing right and it's 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 been working out because people are like oh phil's like thinking out of the box it's like no i literally just did the opposite because <laughs> this is what everyone else is doing i'm gonna do the complete opposite right, um right. and and it, and it and it works um i think i personally think it works uh it makes you stand out a little bit so like you said, like maybe you do keep the consistent branding, but then you have like a special episode and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, this one, we're going to do something, something different here. Right. Right. That makes total sense. Um, for people who might want to get into uh, producing for other people, whether it's remote producing from home or when, 
we're back to having in-person events, you know, producing, going out and doing shoots, uh, remote shoots. Um, how would you recommend kind of the business side of that? How did you get into it? How did you find clients? What, what are you, you know, whatever you're comfortable talking with. I know you probably have like NDAs with clients and stuff, but just yeah. from a, from a, from a high level perspective, how did you go about, you know, making a business out of this? So last year I actually piloted like a very high production live stream show. I actually threw mm. all my money into it and I was like very, very broke afterwards at oh, the wow. time when like no one <laughs> believed in live streaming. Um, I, I, I made like this very like high production MTV looking thing that I just like sent out to Facebook, fa uh, Facebook live, which actually got three and a half million views which was a very, a very aggressive approach to get clients because then like once live streaming became um, a thing, I guess this year, I guess, I guess this whole industry kind of just like boomed in like, I mean, you hit it the right time. Like, I mean, like, time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, who do we call? It was like, Oh, Phil did this crazy thing that like he emailed all of us to support, but we said no to, but um, now, now people are calling me. So I don't know. It's, I guess like you got to, do a live stream maybe start doing them yourself start showcasing people you, you do need like some sort of portfolio piece mm -hmm. um and then obviously networking is a little bit harder nowadays but when it when we were still allowed to like go out and mingle and meet people i was everywhere i was meeting mm -hmm. everyone anyone at any time taking any coffee taking like mm -hmm. any any opportunity to meet someone who could open a door down the way i i i did it and, and I, di I didn't approach it in a way where it's like, hey, I want something from you. It's like, hey, let's just like talk and like mm -hmm. be friends. And sometimes you plant a seed and then that seed takes like months, months to uh, uh, start flourishing. So like with the case of that live stream that I did last year, I did that last year, June. And then that only started like flourishing more clients around February of this year. So that, that took longer than half a year. Wow. So it, it's about planting seeds and then uh, just getting some portfolio work so that when someone is like, hey, I need a remote live stream right now, show me some work, you have something to show it. Right, right. When, when people are, are inquiring about working with you, are they looking for, where, where are they looking for the most help? Is it on content and run of show? Is it on you know, the look of the broadcast? Is it like, hey, what gear can you bring with you that uh, yeah, yeah. Can, can upgrade things? Like, wh what are some of the things that, that are on the top of priority list of uh, brands and, and other folks who reach out to you? So I've been noticing that this has been, like, changing very fast. <laughs> uh, base, base, oh, I just lost my AirPod. Uh, but, uh, okay, I have one for now. Um, so... Uh, they're not supposed to fall out anyways. <laughs> I planned right. this. I planned this. <laughs> I planned this. Get your AirPod, Phil. I, anyway, oh, it's gone. His, it's like his website is liveisbetter.ca, <laughs> and he's got a music video dropping in uh, just a few days. Next week, I believe, on the 23rd. Third. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, okay. Um, back to what clients are looking for, their, their main concerns. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So when it first started, it depends on the client because I had a, I had a few clients that came from broadcast and they knew how to make their own shows. Right. Um, so they were just looking for a technical solution, mm -hmm. um, and then other pe uh, other clients don't have all that technical background, uh, all that broadcast and sh run a show mm -hmm. background. So they do need some assistance in that situation as well. So it it does vary. But now that I'm noticed, like now, now I'm more in like a cons consultation role because I have like right. clients reaching out to me being like, we've done a virtual event. We've done this. We started using StreamYard. I have so many people coming to me being like, mm -hmm. I use StreamYard. Um, and they're like, but how do we take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. And then that's when I start like chatting about like, well, if you want to get some like serious high broadcast like uh feeds in maybe we start looking at the live view products getting some live right. use uh, servers uh like an lu you can get like an lu 300 plus a server um and you can start bringing in people in through their new lu uh smart app 
And uh, that gets you to, like, CNN-quality type broadcasts. <laughs> without the truck, um, without beaming it to a satellite, right? Yeah. And it's amazing yeah. what you can do now. Yeah, exactly. And But, like, I'm pretty sure CNN uses LiveView. Like, I, I remember oh, yeah, seeing some, do. like... Oh, yeah, they all do. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it's like everyone uses LiveView. And uh, so, yeah, so it's like now it's just like I'm in a position where it's like, well, what do we do? Um, mm-hmm. And then I don't actually, like, really press the buttons anymore. So that's why... I guess, uh, like Daniel mentioned, it's getting oversaturated. Now, now everyone's becoming a live stream producer. I see, I see their descriptions being like, I'm a TV producer, but actually, you're not a TV producer. But anyways, <laughs> um, it's, uh, but it's interesting. That's why like, I'm trying to be, get more into the c- creating of the content and creating of my own shows and getting more into like a network type situation. I, I feel like... Uh, competing in this uh, market of um, being a service person in the live stream world is going to come to an end mm-hmm. for me at least because it's it's going to get oversaturated people are going to start charging less the the amount of revenue you're going to be able to make from it is going to start diminishing because there's a whole like it happened with video like everyone's a videographer now it happened with right, the music right. industry everyone's a producer now um, and eventually it'll happen here as well and so but get in as the fast creator as creator side is where, you know, you can really people who have that skill are, are able to a few people. Right. Like it's it's a very yeah. small percentage, but the rewards are, are greater because not everybody can do it. Whereas yeah, l- everybody can eventually learn how to use StreamYard or learn how to use. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's some of the you got to have your own. Exactly. You got to have your own like unique uh, com- competitive I don't know, edge, I guess. Right, um, right. And then a, a, in creating content. And then like, like Daniel was mentioning, there's like big time influencers, there's micro influencers, there's all sorts of influencers. And I, I feel like there's a market for each person. Um, and there's, there's a world and a niche for everyone to live within it. What do you think when it comes to creating content for video, particularly for live video, the biggest challenges for companies I mean, I hear all the time from companies that I've worked with, oh, we want to do a show, we know we can do this well, or we know, listen, I got the personality for it, you know, but my topic, my, my business is boring, my business isn't interesting. And, and so I find, like, for me, the biggest challenge is, like, how are we going to create something that on its own is a worthy piece of content that will catch attention on social media but still has a line of sight back to the back to the business and i i think that is the biggest challenge for content creators it's like how do we make something that people would want to watch and yet have it some way (laughs) get people interested in their in their business if they're doing it on behalf of a business yeah, so a lot of questions I always get from like corporate clients, it's like, what's the ROI? What's the return on investment? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. I, so that, that's why like I got really excited about like the live transactional stuff uh, and being able to sell products live because that's like, that's the ROI. That's literally how right, you get your right. money back um, on return on investment. But there are some like you, you got to like people like brand perception is a very big return on ROI. And if you can shift like an audience, like a giant audience by 1% to like, like your brand a little bit more than the, (laughs) than the competitor through some live and genuine interaction, then I I think there's a huge value add there. Um, So yeah, curating your own shows. Um, Like this is, this is off top. This wasn't live, but there's a Tampax, you know, the, the company Tampax, Mm -hmm. So they did a show called like Carmela a, a while ago, and it was literally just like some girl talking to, to the camera. But they had like Tampax just like hidden in the background and stuff like that. But like it worked so well. I think they even made like a Carmela movie, um, and it was just her talking to her webcam, and and like it's just like these like subliminal brand. Sh- uh, brand shift perception things that like worked really well. So it's like. What was the question again? <laughs> oh, how to now. make a how to make interesting content when the client thinks my business is boring. It just like oh, doesn't translate so to video. 
Okay, so there's definitely a demographic for like almost anything. There's a niche mm -hmm. market for anything. So then it's, it's just a matter of finding that audience uh, after the fact. So I, I like if you did put out a live show, I wouldn't then like take that 40 minute show and just run ads into it because no one's going to sit and, uh, and, right. and watch that 40 minute show. But maybe take a couple pieces from that show and then start doing uh, A-B split testing with ads and mm -hmm. like and uh, maybe start targeting people that might like it because mm -hmm. um, obviously there's an audience for it everywhere. And then start looking for Facebook groups and like groups in general, Reddit groups, all that stuff. There, there's probably like I was about to do a live stream or like there was conversations. It was like a steel manufacturing company and they do a show weekly about steel manufacturing and they have people coming into the show and then like people buy like big like steel manufacturing equipment. So it, it works as long as you can find that audience. And I think finding an audience in our, our like, in this, uh, like, with where technology and social media is at is pretty easy. You just got to spend some money in finding it because it's, it's market research. It's, uh, it's spending some money on ads and seeing what works and what doesn't. And then you find your audience. Right, right. And when you find that audience, then it's, it's a matter of, keeping them and converting them if, again, you're doing this on behalf of a, a business. And um, do you find that, like, changing up within a show, like you're doing one show kind of repeatedly, let's say you're doing a weekly show, is it changing up within that show that, that keeps it fresh and keeps people interested? Or is it doing series, like I'm going to do... I'm going to do 10, you drop 10 YouTube videos on this topic over the next 10 weeks, and then I'm going to launch something totally different. Like, where, where do you see that the ROI, <laughs> the ROI uh, is for, uh, you know, wh wh where do you see the biggest return on the time spent? Let's put it that way. Where do, in terms like of eyeballs and in terms of, you know, however you want to measure conversions, people signing up for an email list, setting up a, a call to become a client, you know, going into a store, buying a product, whatever your, your next, you know, whatever your leading indicators are. Yeah. I, I think when uh, building your own brand or whatever brand you're trying to develop, I, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Like I wouldn't mm -hmm. just go a hundred percent into live streaming. Mm -hmm. um, you need, you need pre-recorded content. You then need like the live and genuine aspect of it. Um, and, uh, and then seeing the ROI and the biggest, like I, obviously if you're getting views and followers and subscribers like that is, that's a big ROI. That's, that's people listening to you prior to like that, that weren't listening to you earlier. And it's also good to connect to those ind individuals, having like personal connections, send them a message, be like, Hey, I got a new follower today. I'm going to talk to him or her or, uh, or them. And then you're just like, Hey, like just connecting, like what's up. And then, and then you learn from your customer as well. And they tell you what worked in your show. And then you can probably uh, like narrow that down and be like, okay, I'm making a very effective approach doing these three things instead of doing all of these 10 things. So maybe right, right. I just narrow that down. So it, like there, I think building uh, like a good brand perception, it, like just jump into it. I wouldn't suggest being like planning this out beforehand because how are you going to plan something out like, like that no one's ever done before right, in the history right. of mankind? <laughs> like, how are you going to plan that? Uh, you just have to jump in and like learn as you uh, learn as you go. We're talking with Phil Kluba. He's from Press It, and he is a professional live streaming producer. Can you hang out for a little bit? Take a couple of questions. Is yeah, that of course. Okay. Um, I want to say hello real quick to uh, people watching on YouTube and Facebook and Periscope. And uh, we have Gabriel Leal over on Facebook. He asks, how do you find clients who want live production? And is there a scale to charge clients? Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Finding them. Um, 
So it depends on what type of person you are on finding them. I'm a little bit more of an aggressive individual. Mm -hmm. So I will literally send emails to everyone. And like, I have a pitch deck. I'm like, this is like what we can do. This is what we've done in the past. It's like, if you want to get into live transactions, that's also a possibility. So I do a lot of outreach. I send a lot of emails out. Um, and then that's how I find clients. And then also a lot of it does come through word of mouth. I did one live stream for a client and then someone else is like, hey, he did this good live stream for me. Maybe you should use him for your stuff. And then word of mouth uh, works from there. And then as for charging, obviously there's rental costs to your gear. So you need to assess how much that all costs. And then you need to add on like the value of your time in this situation. Like if you're the best live stream producer in the world, you might want to charge a little more than uh, your competitors. But it depends on where you want to scale yourself and what you find fair for yourself and make sure that your costs are covered as well, because obviously you need to eat right, um, right. and make some profit. And then if you are making a company, uh, I would probably also add in a little bit of like a company cost in there because you have company overhead as well. Like right. uh, paying for StreamYard once a month costs you money. So that's something that your clients should be covering as you're going. Like if you have an office space, that's also something that should be compensated for in your costs. What specific number that is, I'm not gonna let, like I would suggest you do that on your own. Um, uh, can, yeah. can you just open the books and share? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So over on YouTube, we have uh, Rich Buddy says, I demonetize myself. I am in it for the hobby. Dana Bentz is here. She agrees on content first, then equipment. Um, Jason Scholl says, pro setups make all the difference in storytelling and professionalism. He uses the Sennheiser mic that you use. Um, let's see. Beauty Bubble is here. She said she started taking notes. That's awesome. Uh, Pet Rock and Roll said we started with around 200 people and we closed a a live stream, I believe, and still had 40 people watching. That's pretty cool. Uh, And Bridget says she had about 25 people on and off over three hours for an event. Yeah, getting a big number of concurrent viewers is not an easy thing to do and keeping them. I I mean, you can have a low number of concurrent viewers, and if you're on long enough, you can still have a large view count. But getting those concurrent viewers, when you see those numbers going up, um, it it always makes you curious, right? Was it something that I did at that moment? Was it, you know, something I did leading up to it? Was it the fact that there was a spike in the chat and that the algorithm drove it? Like, there's so many different ways to look at the available metrics that Facebook, for example, gives you uh, that it's it's often hard to come up with a conclusion as to why your numbers are one way one day and another way another day. Yeah, I I, I would say that, like, uh, promoting it beforehand, like obviously you, you can like pre-schedule these things as well. Um, also with Facebook Live, you're able to uh, cross post. So if you have some guests on, ask if it's like all right to tap into their audience as well. And then you can cross post that live stream and it goes uh, on their pages as well. Um, strangely, like we, like I did a, a show, I think my highest, like, I think I had like 1,700 people on a show that I produced once, but we literally had like five cross-posted pages of each account having like 70,000 followers on it. Oh, that so, yeah, each so page it treats, it's treated by Facebook like an original post on each of those pages, e- like that page just went live, right? Yeah, that page just went live, but I think it still comes from the main one. Yeah, and it obviously, but, but it, it all accumulates that all, all those views come. It's it's still one video just posted on multiple pages, and then all those uh, views accumulate together, making uh, just uh, one big number, which which helps a lot. Obviously, like for example, like for that live stream, we had like four four different bands on it being interviewed by uh, a well-known host. So we tapped into the hosts market. We ha- tapped into all of those live bands market, and it and it and it did well. So tell us about the music video you have coming out. 
Okay. Uh, so actually, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very different to like what the music industry would be doing. And obviously, I'm a tech guy now. Like things have changed、um, in my life. So I wrote a song during the period of lockdown, which I then worked on it with various music musicians in quarantine. Like I was sending, like sending them audio. They would mix it up, change it up,、um, and then it's supposed to come out October twenty third. So we had a small gap in Toronto where, where productions were allowed. Like now, things are starting to close down again. But I managed to film a video, and it's very tech oriented. So let's just say there's features of virtual reality, a lot of Elon Musk influence stuff.、Wow. There might be a flamethrower.、Um, there might be. <laughs> there might. There just might be. I can't、uh, let that out.、Uh, there might be a Tesla. I don't know,、um, but uh, if if you uh, follow me on uh, social media, uh, Phil Kluba on all, all all social medias, I think you have my Twitter there. It'll definitely be being pushed sometime next week. Actually, the Friday, literally October twenty third, is when it comes out. Yeah. All right, sounds good. We'll be looking for it. Phil, thanks so much for joining us. It was a great conversation. You shared so much great information and and insights, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, would love to have you back sometime and continue the conversation. It, it, it's great hanging out with you for a while. Let's do it, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Nice. The shades look good. That is Phil yeah, Kluba.、You. Liveisbetter.ca is the website where you can find his live streaming stuff. Press it is his business. If you're looking for、uh, production, you can take a look there and. Uh, that is Phil Kluba. There it is. Live is better. dot ca, and we will move into the remix, which is a、uh, portion of the show that we do every week. Usually, we look back at past guests, but since I just passed this weekend, the five-year anniversary of Livestream Universe, I thought I would go back three years to one of my favorite guests. I had an opportunity to talk baseball with pitching legend Tommy John. So now, when I was、uh, got finally got a chance to pitch when I was in fourth grade, I think.、Um, I, I had been on a team that wasn't too good with a lot of older players, and by the end of the year, they were like, "Okay, let's give this kid a chance to pitch." And I tried to imitate, even though I was a righty, I tried to imitate your motion and sinker ball. <laughs> and so I'll ask you a question. Sinker ball go with the laces and the thumb on the bottom lace, or was I just thinking that that's what it was supposed to do? I don't think it ever sunk, but <laughs> the you throw it with two seams, and I threw mine. My thumb was up.、Uh, you know, if you draw a line down from top to bottom, my thumb was about twelve o'clock, six o'clock. Mine was about five where the Where the five is,、okay. or halfway between four and five, and then you that way, and you get the ball in it, and it gets spin that way. And I、uh, I don't think I ever really got the spin, but the、yeah. motion was good. You know, I tried my best to copy your motion, <laughs> and I, I I think I pitched three innings one game and four innings the other, and only gave up one hit in each.、Uh, I'd like to say it led to something great, but. By seventh grade, they had moved the mounds back, and the fastball wasn't <laughs> wasn't all that fast, and I wasn't yeah, any taller. <laughs> I've been there and done that one. Ah, <laughs>、uh, that was a fun memory talking with Tommy John, somebody whose pitching style I tried to imitate as a kid, and then having a chance to actually find out how he held the baseball and threw it, and then we talked about. His surgery, which now is、uh, the surgery that he had, which was then an experimental surgery, saved his career, allowed him to pitch until he was 46 years old and pitch in World Series and、uh, accumulate a, a win total of 288 games in the major leagues.、Uh, just a really fun conversation, hearing about his career and his life. The surgery that that now has become commonplace, but was a huge risk when he. Was I, I think the first player to ever have that surgery, and、uh, just you know his retirement from baseball and and, and life after playing. So、uh, we'll have some other memories coming up in the next few weeks. Thank you all for being here, and we do want to tell you about some of the other shows that you can catch here on 
the StreamYard YouTube channel and the StreamYard Facebook channel. Uh, we have uh, different content. Let's see uh, where that is. Right here we go. It's uh, Sunday nights. We got the town hall, the co-founders, Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs. Take your questions about StreamYard. They also reveal new features and talk about what's coming up with StreamYard. On Tuesday and Thursday nights, you can get to see Dana Bentz live on the StreamYard Facebook page. Uh, she talks about StreamYard Spotlight, which is interviewing you, the StreamYard user, finding out how you use the gear, how you use the equipment, how you use the StreamYard product to produce your broadcast, what kind of content you're creating, what type of successes you've had, what kind of challenges you're having. It's great to hear from the StreamYard community and the StreamYard user base and so many really interesting and different types of content being created on the platform. One week, it could be a theater group. The next week, it might be a live chef with a cooking demo. Uh, that show with Dana and her sister, Kelsey Bentz, is a lot of fun. Tuesday nights, it's Two Cents with Bentz, uh, also with Dana Bentz. Both of those shows, 8 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget to come back and join us next week, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Wednesday. Our guest is going to be Joey Garrity. She worked with a lot of superstars in Hollywood. She's going to share some insights on what made them successful and how you can apply that to be successful in your life. It's going to be a lot of fun. She has a book that she wrote a few years back called The Red Carpet Guide to Influence. It's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to have her on next week. Thanks again to Phil Kluba from Press It, and also to Daniel Glickman, the new head of growth for StreamYard. Terrific guests. We'll talk to you again next week, 2 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Take care, everybody.